probably did. Hate Mayo. And we thought it was hate at the time because these guys are trying to take away our dreams. The Football Pod Live. Thursday, June 2nd in Castle Bar. Check out otbsports.com forward slash events and get your tickets now. Hello there, and you're very welcome along to what is now episode 19 of the Football Pod. If you are one of our loyal contingent who always get the pod on a Tuesday morning, or even give it a listen on a Wednesday morning, I implore you to go to the Off The Ball YouTube channel at 12 o'clock on Wednesday and have a look at the state of the two boys in front of me. Two shook men. I'll be honest, James O'Donoghue, you're doing all right. You've sharpened up pretty well. Look at the state of the wolf, though. Paddy Andrews. <laughs> Lads, I didn't come on here to be heckled. <laughs> this is the only time I've, I haven't seen you clean-shaven. <laughs> Paris got the better of me, lads. It was a tough, it was a tough three days over there. <laughs> but uh, no, just getting back into the swing of things today. No? I'm surprised you weren't at the open top bus parade. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Let's talk about the football, lads. Come on. I'm going to me. Last word on Paris. Did you get a dose of pepper spray? Didn't. No. Uh, did you see any of the madness, the chaos? The- yeah, yeah, I did. Um, it was mental because um, we didn't see the pepper spray, but there was obviously issues with tickets and the standards yeah. in the Stade de France. And it was obviously heard since there was kind of fake tickets going around as well. But just the French police, it was, it was a mental situation. Like, surprising that there was no one seriously injured. It was very, very dangerous. And it was just very surprising for such an established stadium. Like, it's one of the mm. biggest stadiums in the world. They've hosted hundreds of these games, massive games. Um, and it was just, it was very, very dangerous. There was a bit of a crush. Um, and people were obviously panicking because they thought they were going to miss the kickoff. They, they put the game back 30 minutes. But... Uh, we got in. I didn't see any other stuff, thank God. Um, and we got in and managed to get to our seats safe enough. But geez, it was uh, it was ropey enough, though. Yeah, yeah no, no. on time. Like, did you go in? Yeah, normal kickoff time. Yeah, but that's like <clears throat> Liverpool fans were there well in advance as well. It was just whatever issues they had with scanning tickets, and then people were panicking. And then obviously there was fake tickets going around as well. And the French police were pretty uh, pretty heavy handed with yeah with the supporters uh, so look it was just a dangerous situation and could, was, could you're blessed that nothing serious did happen uh, yeah but, uh, very true could you, you feel wonder, could you feel the tension Paddy yeah uh, people were panicking yeah, yeah but t- t- pepper spray and tear gas aren't going to come down the road like no. I don't know why they thought that was going to solve the problem it was more it was people were panicking because they didn't think they'd be able to get into the stadium yeah there was a crush and there was gates there as well and it was just really badly organised and yeah. uh, I didn't think the, the authorities kind of covered themselves in glory and I think that's the kind of feedback across the board from a lot of people talking to uh, lads yesterday in the airport and things like that. It was, uh, yeah, a bit mental. Yeah. Nothing, like, nothing like Croker, lads. Tell no, it, it, it's an ever-evolving situation, obviously, so the, the latest as we're recording on Monday night is that the French authorities have come out blaming Liverpool Football Club but uh, and their fans and their handling of it saying that Real Madrid had, didn't have this issue but very quickly I think we've seen uh, the British government come back out and and call for a proper investigation of what's going on yeah, so yeah. Um, it, it seems to have been they're doubling down anyway the French in terms of how they're they're calling yeah. how it went that was so, their attitude that, that was pretty much their attitude it's, on it's Saturday night as well def- yeah. definitely not the experience of anyone we've had we've had Conor Moore on, on Off the Ball talking about his experience being in Paris as well and I think he got caught up in a bit of it too so yeah that was Paris the Euros, the Euros final as well was a nightmare in London like the mm. 
the big soccer matches are getting they're getting oh, dangerous. Like, they're just yeah, it's, it doesn't seem like a good vibe at those games. Like. What well, definitely and and not to be crass or be dismissive here, but we certainly didn't have any issues like that at the Munster final or the Lancer final at the weekend, boys. As there was no one at the Munster final. 14,000 in Clarny one of the most beautiful days of the year uh, that's a sad sight to see isn't it 14,000 at a Munster final like it's a waste of time that that game was a bit of a waste of time it was just a case of what they were going to win by yeah. nobody cared about the game I like it was 40 euro a ticket as well which definitely just 40 euro for a stand ticket so it definitely turned people away as well um, like you think about Clarny for Munster final there should be 30,000 in that sunshine, it would have been unreal. But it's just, it's just gone. It's just, but it's that, boring. It's boring. It was so obvious what was going to happen. And it's just a waste of time. We, we called it last week, lads. It, like, that was a hard sell. And, and the Munster Championship without, obviously, Cork not, not being as strong as they were traditionally, Kerry were going to steamroll that. You know, so it, it's very difficult to try and promote that and, and to get a crowd in for that. And for Kerry, this is the challenge we spoke about last week. Their season really starts now. You know they've ticked the boxes. They've won, won a Munster Championship, but they will have much bigger tests ahead, and they wouldn't have got anything really out of that Limerick game on Saturday. Mm, yeah. I know, and I like that game. It's fair to say it was over before it began. It didn't take very long for the sense of anticipation around Dublin Clare to be gone. I uh, I was down home in Clare over the weekend and I had been in transit. I was getting some takeout sandwiches from a local pub here up the road. And I, there's a, there's a pub connected to a cafe. So as I was waiting on the sandwiches, I said, I'd, I'd pop into the pub and keep an eye on the Dublin Clare game. Walked into the pub in Clare. The game wasn't on anywhere. Six TVs. So I nudged the, the fellow who runs the place. And he'd be a big GA man. He was watching the Leinster, La Rochelle game. And he said, Oh yeah, yeah. I'll stick it on for you in the corner. Let me know how it's going. Walked out after five minutes. I was like, I'm going to go home and watch this, lads. You don't have to put it on on any other tellies. It's game <laughs> over already. So walked home and, and, and caught up in the rest of it. The Limerick, that limerick Kerry game, I guarantee you, I know there's a lot of Limerick pubs, uh, rugby clubs in Limerick. That game wouldn't have been shown on TV either in many pubs in Limerick City, the Munster final. We're going to lose these games on television. They're not going to be on it anymore, provincial finals. And that's the sorry state of affairs in Gaelic football at the minute. But even talking to the Kerry crowd who didn't go to the game or even the crowd who did, they left early or the crowd who watched on TV turned it off. Like that's a, a final. Yeah. There's no final that should be on where it's an absolute obliteration. Like it should be competitive. Yeah. So it's just such a waste. It's just such a waste. Yeah. Look, yeah. It's, a, it's an argument for a different day. Obviously. I think so. I think so but too. Because it's just, it's just becoming more and more clear. Yeah. Every yeah. time. Yeah, it is. So, now, Sunday was a slightly different story. Like, we definitely got the emotion and the joy and I'd say <laughs> relief a little bit in Galway as Porrick Joyce finally got over the line in a Connacht final. Yeah. That was a massive statement for Galway football. They got the job done. We'll review it in depth in a couple of minutes, but, you know, impressive in many ways. And then Derry beating Donegal. Paddy, you had the privilege today to watch that game back the day after. I'm pretty sure you would have missed all the, the discord and the chat on Twitter during the game as well. Did you watch it on RTE or did you watch it on BBC? Because I would say that would have shaped your experience. Uh, I watched it on the Beeb, I have okay. to say. And what was, your, what was your opinion on the match overall? Look, it, it, was, a, it was a cagey game. It was the most... It was exciting in, in, in its own way. It wasn't the most free-flowing type of football 
the two teams really kind of cancel each other out. We knew how tight this was going to be. Very, like, Donegal win last year by a point. Mm. Very nick it this year. They are very evenly matched. And it was always going to be a cagey game. But I think Donegal will be kicking themselves. They would have feel that they've left that behind. I thought their experience would have actually got them over the line, particularly down the stretch. But to be fair to Derry, it's a brilliant story. It is a brilliant story. For them to win the Ulster Championship from where they were and to do it by beating Tyrone, Monaghan and Donegal, it's it's incredible from Rory Gallagher and the Derry team. And some of the performances yesterday, the, the organisation in defence, but Rogers and Glass coming down the stretch okay. in extra time. Just phenomenal energy. And it was. It was great to see. It wasn't, like I say, it wasn't probably the most exciting game, but... Um, but it's a great story for Derry. I rang you about 45 minutes in and you obviously watching the back a day later, you were like, Rogers was man of the match, was he? And I said, yeah. just, just wait for it. I was like, just wait for it. And did he, he prove it? He did it prove it? Did it? Do you think it was a deserved man of the match watching back a day later? Um, yeah, I, yeah, I would say so. To, to kick three points, the leadership he showed, the battle he was having with Michael Murphy, he was everything that was good. About mm. It's harder with Derry because they're such a well-organised team. They don't really have a Clifford-type player. It's, it's The team is so functional defensively. They shut down Donegal. But um, I thought, yeah, coming down the stretch, the last 20 minutes, he was outstanding. Yeah. It was it was clever by, by Derry to leave Rodgers. Like, he had so much ball. Like, he kind of ran yeah. the game. Even though he's wearing three, obviously, he was marking Murphy, but... I suppose we didn't really see that ball-playing style of his until this weekend. Do you know, yeah. he really brought that to the fore. And now you're thinking he's a serious tool going forward. Do you know, he's a serious weapon for them. I think he finished with three. Three points. Three, three from play. Like, that is invaluable in a, in and, a championship match. And he laid off that ball to glass. Yes, he which got meant ball, yeah. Which meant that Murphy had to go for goal later on, which I was surprised. I felt like there was time left there. And I, like, yes. obviously, Why but didn't obviously, chip the point, chip the point and win the kickout. Surely somebody's in James Hurst or Sean Hurston's ear saying, do we have time for kickout? Well, it took him ages to kick the free. If yeah. he just tipped it over and then just as he was about to tip it over, usher his whole team forward to pin them in like they've done the press before, yeah. they would have had a chance. There yeah. was, there must have been 15 of them on the line when he took the shot. It had yeah. no chance of going in. Yeah, Michael Meehan style against uh, Cork, yeah. wasn't it? That, he that put it on awesome. the deck, didn't he? He, he did, yeah. he did. Not but look, awesome. we, we'll come back to that game in depth and I suppose the the difference in the coverage between BBC, who I think I was flicking between both channels at times and BBC felt like it was the most compelling contest that you'd ever witnessed. And then I think Colin O'Rourke described it as a mind-numbing game slash <laughs> the board a century, which it certainly wasn't. There was definitely moments in it, though, that I'd like to pick up with G that I just couldn't get my head around. The fear football was how I put it at times um, in that second half. The performance of the weekend, in many ways, lads, in my eyes, goes to a footballer who we have wanted to produce this over the last little while. It was Shane Walsh really? in that Connacht final. Dancing feet, I think he described, I, I dug up an old Shane Walsh tweet, complimenting Paddy Andrews for his dancing feet with a dummy against Keith Higgins. This fella's a different level, Paddy. Yeah. No, he, he was top class yesterday. And not just, it was his leadership as well. We would have spoke about him before, obviously on this pod, about kind of decision-making and, and doing the wrong thing at the big moments. But yesterday, there was a real maturity in his play. And I think from Galway as a whole, I thought Federer was excellent inside as well. 
Um, Comer, brilliant for Galway on, on their transitions as well. But the moments of magic, like Shane mm. Walsh's goal was just top class. The sidestep, he like he just suckers the defenders in. He, he, he just slows everything down, steps inside, and it's a beautiful finish as well. But he was top class yesterday for Galway, and it was a bit like it was a big game for Power Choice and Galway to win that game. Having beaten Mayo, they needed to make a statement and win the Connacht Championship, and they were full full value for it yesterday. And he was to the absolute four as well. Donahue, you, know you were uh, you were a sniper in there in the full forward line. Did you have a dummy like that in your arsenal? The way he has that sidestep. Yeah. No. That's the most powerful sidestep I've ever seen. <laughs> but you know what he has? He has the change of, of paces. Like yeah. he can go kind of zero to 25%. He can go 25 to 50, 50, 75. And next thing he can just go boom, 100% out of the blue. And it, when he gets the ball and he kind of tips it on his toe, he sucks fellas in. Yeah. And most fellas then would be pushed onto their weak side and they'd be turned over or they'd be thrown over the line. But you don't know, is he going to go left or is he going to go right? Has he dummy hop? Has he dummy solo? He has so many kind of weapons to pull out of the bag when he sucks a few bodies in. And it just seems to create space for, for the comers and the finities then. So I think he is, uh, he's, he's playing very well. But still, that's not his big test. No. His no. <laughs> big for, test is coming. And for, it's, going to be, it's going to be great to watch. For both Derry and Galway, Crow Park is up next. Yeah. Well, Galway have had a lot of games in Crow Park. Like, they even played the Connacht final there. I mean, they've played their league final there. They've been there to, mm. to, to quarterfinals. Like, they'd, they'd be comfortable there. And the way they play as well, they should be comfortable there. But when they were, when they were breaking against Roscommon, Roscommon got sucked in a bit when they pushed everyone up in attack. Like, against a blanket defence like that, you still need to keep four at home just in case you get turned over. Yeah, you need to have structure. Yeah, but they didn't. And then the legs of Comer and Walsh just can't defend yeah. it. Very, it was very impressive. There was one time and they called out in the Sunday game where they turned Galway turned Roscommon over and maybe they're on Galway's 45. And by the time they'd broke, it was 3v3. Comer chipped a point, but he could have easily oh, come for a goal. Yeah. So, like if you play against that, like that against Galway in Crow Park, they have so much legs, they can, can do serious damage. Absolutely. The other game, and we're going to get it stuck into it, was Dublin's performance against Kildare. If there are any lingering doubts, and I certainly wasn't one of them after what they did to Mead, the dubs are back. Like that was just ruthless stuff on Saturday in Crow Park. But it was also very disappointing at how limp that Kildare performance was. I really did expect more. Yeah, I, I think everyone did, didn't we? Like I, I, like I expected Dublin to win the game, but I thought Kildare would bring a lot more than what they did. It was just there in headlights in the first 10, 15 minutes and the game was over and was taken away from them. Dublin have, Dublin have been building towards that over the last couple of weeks and it was everything you associate with, with Dublin at their best. Just a real ruthless clinical edge Um their forward play, the structure they had up front, and this is what Conor Callahan brings. He is that focal point there. And then you've got Costello, Rock, Kilkenny, all these guys coming off. He just gives, he just gives a focal point to that attack. And it was that's what they were missing so badly during the National League in the spring. We we watched them so many times. We we're talking about how there was lateral play, there was no penetration, there was no edge in their attack. They've shown over the last three or four weeks that they are 
serious, serious um, threat to win this All Ireland. And yeah, they really are. Like, is it too early to say that Conor Callaghan is the most informed footballer in the country? He's been quite frightening how he's been playing so far, but like, he's he is only back from injury. Like, who who's in the mix for that? Like, okay, Shane Walsh is in the mix, one hundred percent. I'm not sure we can say any of the Kerry footballers are in the mix yet. They've got the job done. Two big scores posted against Cork and Limerick, but I don't think they've been tested in any way. So Con's in the mix because of what he's done so far. Shane Walsh is in the mix. He's done it now against Roscommon and also against Mayo. He kicked some big freeze that day as well and did his job. Any other goalway footballers in the mix in most of the country? Killian McDade, I would say. Oh, he got an outrageous point. With the punt slash outside of the break. The right. yeah, oh, yeah. It was beautiful score. He's a big unit, boys, isn't he? He is. He can move yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. He's obviously an ex-AFL. Yeah. Like yeah. you have McCaig, Chrissy McCaig is the tightest marker in the country at the moment. He obviously yeah, yeah. oh. <laughs> That marking with one hand on the shoulder, one on the hip. Really that is hard just like, and he's following around like the thriller video. Like <laughs> <laughs> He just, he's so tight. Like he kept McBurtie to, to no score from play. He kept McBurtie to no score. He kept McCarron to no score from play. And Darren McCurry got two points from play against them in the second half. And they were worldies. Yeah. One that of is some form, boys. It is unreal. Yeah, when like, you have a man that can, that can wrap up the opposition's best forward. Yeah. It's invaluable. How many it's, systems the teams have to, to, to play to, to quieten forwards? Yeah. Imagine being able to turn the dressing room and just go... Chrissy, will you take him there and we'll be fine? Like, that is unbelievable. Like, Had you been marked by him before? I marked him once in Killarney. Um, very sticky, very powerful, mm. strong, I, bit of everything. I was speaking to Ronan O'Neill yesterday. We, we had our GA late night show that you'll get in the OTB GAA feed if, uh, if you're listening to us there. And O'Neill hadn't been marked by him, but he'd been marked by his brother, Carl. But he said that Chrissy, when he's marking you and he's a job to mark you, he won't worry about what's going on if there's a goal, a two-on-one goal. He will just stick with his man and do that job. Yeah. And Michael Quinlivan actually had a very different experience against them. Uh, Quinlivan won an All-Star in 16. McCabe marked them in championship that day. Derry played Tipperary and Tipperary got to the All-Ireland semi-final. What Tip did was they brought Quinlivan out to midfield after a couple of minutes and Quinlivan had a big impact in the game, but McCabe was able to mix him with him out there as well. Like he's clearly, he's done it for Schlock Neal. He's, mm. you know, he's able to play out the field as well. Like, so yeah, very impressive footballer. Yeah, I think he... The, the, the big challenge for Derry is getting the Crow Park. Where that system, and Chris McCaig is outstanding, but the system complements him as well. Yeah. Yes, he, he's picking up McBrady, or he's picking up the opposition's main threat, but it's, he's never really left one-on-one. He could deal with that. He, he's that good a defender as well, but the system also protects him as well. But the challenge Derry are going to have, um, they're not under the radar anymore. <laughs> they're, Certainly they're not. Absolute, absolutely not. And there's an expectation on them now. They are the Ulster champions. And if we said whoever comes out and wins the, wins the Ulster, Ulster championship this year are going to be in. They're genuine contenders for all Ireland now. And that's it's a massive jump for Derry to be in that conversation now from where they were. That shows how good the job Rory Gallagher has done. But Derry will have a big challenge playing and operating that system in Crow Park against the best teams. And that, that's going to be intrigued to see. How they go? But, there was um, there was a bit of chatter today on Twitter. Um, a couple of people trying to figure out what the situation with the quarterfinal draw might be. Carol Kane was saying that 
the GA won't be abandoning its rule on avoiding repeat quarterfinal pairings. So it means that Derry can't play any of Dublin, Donegal, sorry, Dublin, Galway, Kerry, the provincial winners, nor can they play Donegal, Tyrone or Monaghan in the All-Ireland quarterfinals. So yes. Derry are going to be left with a Clare or a Meath, a Cork or a Loud. I think mm-hmm. is how it's looking. Any or a Mayo. Or a Mayo, potentially. Very strong favourites for Or Mayo. Yeah. If they get by Monaghan. And the winners then, obviously, you're on the side that Galway are on. Whoever Galway come, if they get through on the far side. So, that's how it's shaping up. Um, so, who are we saying is in the mix? So we're saying Khan, We're saying Shane Walsh. We're saying Chris McCaig. Rogers, I presume. Yeah. Any other Derry boys in the mix there? Like, they've all been very good as a unit. Like, is Connor Doherty, Connor Glass, Shane McGuigan making the cut? I, McKinless. McKinless obviously had two massive games before this weekend. He was quite this weekend, yeah. yeah. But like McGuigan, they're in that unit. McGuigan's a leader for them, an absolute leader, and uh, he is one of the top players in the country. Like as we said, the system doesn't exactly allow him to be the most expressive. Like he, he probably is even better than what he's showing, but he's 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 rowing the boat, you know, in that yeah. system, and he's he's seriously leading he, it. He got some big score, got a big score from play, but one of the biggest things he did at the weekend was holding on to that ball on the line when his own goalkeeper, Oren Lynch, nailed him. Did you see that towards the last couple of minutes? Donegal peppered a long ball in. McGuigan gets his paws on it. Number 14, he's back on the line. Anyways, you mightn't remember it, but uh, that stood out to me as one of the big moments. But you know, okay. with, the, with the forwards, there's, there's not many forwards who are playing like with that much expression at the moment. Like mm. Shane Walsh sticks out so much because... He, He's just he's just brilliant, obviously, but yeah, he's, he's playing player. off a di- he's playing off a different him sheet, like. But a lot of the attack we're seeing is very slow. It's running down the wing, looking for the loop. Like the good defenders eat that up. Do you know, McCaig is just delighted to be defending that, like to, to, to that kind of attacking play. So in Crow Park, if teams start playing a bit more, a bit more freedom, kicking the ball, we'll see. Does Croker uh, does change that, James? Like, have you no choice but to do that in Croker? If you want to win in Crow Park, yeah, you definitely need to move the ball faster. Okay. I th- there was there was a couple of behind the goal um, camera shots, and McBrearty and McCaig were actually one on one. So I'm not sure was it McBrearty didn't really want the pass, you know, the the long ball, or it was just not a thing that Donegal were going to do. But it was on, all right, mm. you know. So you'd wonder if other teams were kind of more tuned into kicking the ball, would that cause Derry a lot of problems? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to come back to that in a couple of minutes' time. Just go through the results. Dublin were crowned Leinster champions. I think it's 16 and 17. They won 517 to 115. They bet Kilair by more than they bet Mead by. That's my only Mead mention this week. <laughs> Kerry, 128. Limerick, eight points. That was in Clarny, three o'clock on Saturday. I think that's Kerry's 83rd Munster title. Um, Roscommon, 216. Galway, 219. Even while Galway were nine points up, I still felt like Roscommon could go back in that game. But... Just didn't mix it up um, enough, I think, in the last couple of minutes. Galway, finally a Connacht win. I think it, Joyce me beating two of the, the last two finals in Connacht, so they needed to get that win. They got over the line, which is a big deal for them. And finally, Derry won 16, Donegal won 14 after extra time, and a historic win for Derry, their first Ulster title since 1998. In the Talchon Cup, Offaly bet Wicklow by 18 points to 10. Statement win there, knocking Wicklow out in the process. Carlo with an incredible win against mm-hmm. Tipperary, knocking out one of the favourites, 112 to 110. Tipperary tried to stage a late comeback, left themselves with far too much to do. Carlo got over the line, so a big win there for Niall Carew's team. Leash were in a good position against Westmead in this game. Mm-hmm. Kevin Maguire was sent off, their fullback, one of their main defenders. Westmead get a goal in the second half. Hang on, they get over the line. So Westmead go on 
to the quarterfinals of the Talton Cup. And then in the northern section, Fermanagh bet Longford, one twelve to 12 That's Longford season over. Sligo got through London after extra time. They needed extra time to get past them. They won 315 to 2-16. Cavan with a big win against Down, 24 points to one twelve. So that's Down's nightmare year finished. So we'll see what happens with Down football after this. And possibly one of the results of the weekend, Leitrim 2-14. Antrim one twelve. Have to hold my hands up, boys. You two called it. You did not yeah. doubt Andy Moran's Warriors. They get over the line. I might have cast a little bit of doubt over it. I said Antrim will win after extra time. But no, Moran has them flying. Our predictions are starting to get a little bit better, lads. Be fair to us. Use are, yeah. Um, but yeah, Andy McGinley actually stepped down after that game. So it, it kind of remains to be seen what's going on in Antrim football at the minute. It felt like they were making steps forward over the last yeah. 18 months, two years. Uh, McGinley has stepped down. I haven't heard or read much about it since, but we'll, we'll keep an eye on that one. So just to give you the quarterfinal draw for the Talchin Cup, Offaly at home to New York. That is a novel pairing. The New York team will be travelling over for that game next weekend. Carlo Westmead. Carlo have earned a, a home win, a home draw against one of the favourites, Westmead. Fermanagh are home to Cavan and Leitrim are home to Sligo. Uh, I was cribbing about the the final league game of the year earlier this year that was supposed to be in Markovic Park. I said it could have been a sellout if they got their timings right. It ended up being a, a non-event where the game didn't matter. This game now in Carrick, again, you'd imagine there's going to be a bit of a sellout here with Leitrim and Sligo. That'll be a cracking game. So we're going to get stuck into our championship review now in the next couple of minutes. Just a reminder, Paddy Andrews, you better shave for Thursday because we are in Castlebar on Thursday night. We can't wait for it. Are you looking forward to it, Paddy? Have you, have yeah. you got your head around it? You are looking forward to it. Okay, that's good. Yeah, the show is Thursday night in the Royal TF Theatre. We're really looking forward to it. Keith Higgins is joining us, as we mentioned last week on the podcast. We can't wait for it. We're looking forward to seeing you all there. A couple of tickets left. They're on Ticketmaster. Or if you go to otbsports.com forward slash events, you get all the details there. Show kicks off at half seven. It's Thursday night. Mayor obviously playing Monaghan this weekend, so we'll be building up to that and chatting to Keith Higgins. James and Paddy, obviously. This is episode 19 of the Football Pod. It is brought to you by AIB, proud sponsors of the GA Senior Football Championship. Just check out hashtag the toughest for more. We're going to be back right after this with our championship review. You're very welcome back to episode 19 of the Football Pod. I've still got James Donahue with me and Paddy Andrews is still standing. You don't want a, a little break there, Paddy, do you? No, no, truck on, truck You're on. You're okay, okay. <laughs> Dior lights. Uh, a few Dior lights, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um... Actually, do you know what? Did you say you you had the whoop? No. I have it. You, do you wear it, Paddy, no? No. I wear the whoop. Tell me. I wear it, yeah. We're, we've got a triathlon this Sunday, so I'll be taking it easy in Castlebar on, on Thursday night. Mm. I wore it, right? And I was at a wedding Saturday, my cousin's wedding. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think my recovery was yesterday? Did you get... It, it, hold on. The wedding was in Doolin, right? Yeah. And, and it was in your side of the family? Yeah, my cousin. So you, you were more invested in the drinking this time, were you? I suppose I was, yeah. <laughs> I had more commitment to the cause this time. <laughs> okay. And did you go for a dip in the sea that night oh, or the following geez. morning? Okay, oh. I'd say your recovery was uh, 22%. 6%. Oh, oh Jesus. I, I was actually worried about myself. What did, <laughs> what did you drink? Oh, I didn't know it went down that low. I was like, before that, the lowest I had was like 60. 6%. Wow. But it does, I think it's good. It does actually show you like... No, it's great. I, I found it to be brilliant. 
Yeah. I've been using it since last, I had an injury last September when I started using it and uh, found it really helpful to kind of build back up afterwards because you were training, you know the way you'd be training and yeah. now you're on, you're not going to go up to the manager and say, my whoop is telling me, you know, <laughs> John, yeah. my whoop is <laughs> telling me I, I can't train tonight. But you know yourself, like you're going to have to get to the sea or get to the pool or you're going to have to get your heart rate down a little bit. Like it yeah. gives you really good stuff like so. Um, yeah, so we'll look at it. We'll see how far the whoop carries me in this triathlon on Sunday. I am... Very worried about it. What's the lowest you've gone recovery wise? Uh, I'd say twenty percent, maybe after after drinking or something like that. I've never gone under six percent. Like I don't know what you were drinking. I try trying to ask people. Did you ever go down this low? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, uh, I, I'll, I'll ask. We'll, we'll put that question out there and see if anyone's ever gone that low. I think I have seen people go down that low. I have. I definitely I have seen people go down that low. Yeah. So, um, okay, Ulster final. James, would it be fair to say that? Donegal played with a serious element of fear. And I ask you this with two moments in mind. I'm talking about the very end of normal time when they had the ball in their hands and the very end of uh, first half injury time in extra time. Both times they had the ball, there was 30, 40 seconds left in the clock, yet they played it slow. They kept the ball in around midfield. They played it safe. They protected the ball. They were terrified of breaching that Derry defence for fear that they may be countered. And ultimately, it came back to bite them. Yeah. Fear, yeah, that's kind of um, a difficult one. Like, I don't think they were necessarily, I don't think it was a fear of being counterattacked necessarily. I think it was just lack of ideas. Like, they, yeah. they didn't inject, inject any pace whatsoever. So they seemed to hold the ball on halfway passing to each other, almost standing still and happy enough to do it. And some teams that are badly organized, if you go to one wing, back to center, back to the other wing, eventually you will find a chink and someone won't do their job. But against a, a side who probably practices it three times a week, yeah. serious intensity and aggression like Gallagher does with Derry, there was no chink. And yeah, they just held back. I don't think they injected enough pace. They didn't make, no. they didn't commit any Derry man to the tackle, which didn't leave any overlaps. It was just so one-paced. The, the, but I, I think the, neither side kind of wanted to lose it. They knew it was going to be close. Yeah. And they wanted it to go down to the wire. I think the Donegal probably thought that they have the experience, as Paddy said, to, yeah, to get over the line. bag in the end. But they didn't. And they didn't, they didn't deserve to win it either. Yeah. It, in it, the, last, the last play of extra time. Yes. They're two down. Yes. There's been an injury. Um, there was a bit of time wasting. And it was 71 minutes when mm. Murphy gets the free. So if they had a bit more intensity, chip the point at the same time, usher everyone up, even Patton, just come up and do mm. that press that we've seen Donegal do. Make Oran Lynch go, go for a long kick out, win that. And then suddenly you can get another chance, but they were never going to get the goal. To win come, it, I don't think. come on, come on, James. You have been in that position, whether it be club or county level, and you know, you're talking to the referee. You know how long is left. Are you telling me that they didn't right. ask how Kirsten? Long, how long Are you asking left? me that they didn't how ask Kirsten? Left? How all you need, left? all you need is one play. All, like all you need is a referee to say, "Yeah, I'm playing one more play after this." Yes, but what right. what does he have to say for you to one play? To chip it. If you, he says you, you'll get the kick out. If you win possession on the kick out, play on. But they won't go into that much detail for you. <laughs> but I'll like, for you as well. If he says 30 seconds. If he says 30 that's seconds. I mean. If he says 30 seconds, that's enough time. Yeah. Because then you've won the ball high up the pitch <laughs> and you have to inject pace. Yeah, he won't give you that much detail, though. No. 
<laughs> if this goes out to your midfielder and he catches uh, it over his head. Paddy, on that, can I just ask you this? And I'll let you pick up afterwards. Like, the dubs definitely perfected the art of knowing the clock. And I don't know whether that's because you played so much games in Croker and the clock is that bloody big on the big screen. But when you had the ball going into the 33rd minute, the 34th minute, the 69th minute, or the 73rd minute, if there was two minutes left, you'd keep it to the buzzer, but you would always make sure you got that last shot at the half off. Look, it's, it comes down to game management. And that's why it was surprising for, like, in a game that tight, you would expect Donegal's greater experience. They've been in this position so many more times than Derry, particularly in, in championship games like that. That's what you're relying on, that, okay, we understand exactly where we are in the match. We need to score. We need to keep the ball. We need to kill the clock. We need to get it to one of our shooters. Um, and that was the surprising thing that Donegal, in, in a game that tight, that they were probably just outwitted, I, I felt, by Derry. I, I, don't, I don't know if fear is the right word. Um, I just think they were overly conservative. Okay. And Derry, James is right. Like you're looking like Pat Morgan obviously ha, ha, had a good impact in the first half. When you're playing against a defensive system like that, you need pace in your game. You, it, either you're moving the ball really fast or you've got strike runners like Owen Gallagher, like um, Pat Morgan. That's... Donegal, it just seemed it was so passive for the entire match. For the entire match, it was. I I don't think they they didn't turn the Derry defence. They didn't probe at all, really. And and James was like, they didn't deserve to win that game. They didn't no, deserve to win didn't. the game. Um, yeah, it, it was just it, it was a, it's such a disappointing performance from Donegal again because you feel like they've been there thereabouts in the Ulster Championship for the last ten years, and they just do not seem to win the biggest games. Yeah, how does how does it keep happening to them? Because like the players you listed there, they have the attributes. If you were playing football yeah, manager here, you'd be signing these lads for yeah. their pace and their you know their flair and whatever else. They have the attributes you want to play that type of game. Why aren't they playing it? It was surprising. Yes, you think they turned the corner, and uh, particularly their performance against our man Bally Buffet. You're thinking, mm. this is Donegal are, are getting back to the level that we feel they should be at, and that's why it's just such a flat results yeah. yesterday. Uh, uh, but but you look at their, their biggest players, like Jamie Brennan was quiet. Paddy McBrady, obviously well, well t- shackled by, by Chris McKay. Roy McHugh didn't really influence the game. We were talking about guys like Langan or Murphy with long range points. We just didn't really see that at all. Like out of the Donegal team, how many of their big players performed yesterday? And that's just an issue with Donegal. We've said it over the years, if all their big players play well, they're a contender for the All-Ireland. But it just doesn't seem, there's no consistency there. It just doesn't seem to happen for them. And they can have no complaints with yesterday. None whatsoever. Now, James, can you get your head around why they keep falling short? Is it, it, is it, down, I don't think it's a mentality thing, to be honest. I so think you, don't, have, you don't think they're freezing? <laughs> I would. I don't. I think that they have the personalities on the pitch. They have the leaders, and they have the ability. So, is it the management team? It, it, it seems to be a little bit of. I've <laughs> going for putting words in my mouth. There. <laughs> That's allowed. Is it the manager that has to? No, but no. like, if it's, if it's uh, not the mentality, no, if it's not the players, if I do it's not think the it's coaching. I do think it's coaching because I think they're playing the game too slow. Yeah. They're the only team I see at the top level who hand passed the ball and it might bounce twice before the other fella bends down to pick it up. Like they just don't seem to want to, to do things fast. 
and it's predictable. So when they are coming out the pitch, you know, yeah, he's going to pass it out wide. He's going to trot back into the middle. He's going to give it in there. Whereas when Donegal were Donegal, there was diagonal balls. The ball was breaking around the square. There was shots coming like Murphy and did kick two lovely points from long range affairs. But there was more of that, you know, but I think it's just too... Samey. Too passive. Samey. It, it almost be, it could be a case of overcoaching. Do you know, like you have to do this, you have to do that rather than be a bit more... Be brave and a bit have a bit more imagination. Okay, Paddy, last word on Donegal. Can they have a say on the rest of the championship? I think they can. I, I, they're going to need to be picked up after that. That, that that's a bad defeat for them. That they were favourites going into the game. Like I said, we, we thought they turned the corner, and they were getting back to that little consistent performances. And look, they'll still be a handful, but I, I don't think they're they're in all Ireland contenders. Yeah, I, I was hoping they might prove themselves to be contenders this weekend. Like, I'm a massive fan of that Derry team. I just feel like Derry had possibly another year before we were going to see them yeah. at their best. I just thought that Donegal would need it. Well, hopefully they... I'm not going to even say it. I was going to say hopefully they prove us wrong, but like, we've just if been let Donegal, down too many times with Donegal already, like. Yeah, there's probably another big game in them and we will yeah. big them up again then. <laughs> because <laughs> like, we'll come back strong. them to win this one, they have the players. It's just, yeah, it's, it's yeah. kind of mind-boggling. Right, let's move on you know to Connacht. was good to see about, about Derry? They, they got the backdoor cut again. Nine Brilliant. Yeah. But they have that perfected. And it, one goal, as you said, can change the game, especially in Ulster. Yeah. To get the goal first. Always cut back. If Adam Ferry, look, they'd be disappointed. Like, to have all those bodies back there. And get caught, yeah. And to get caught like that, it was an easy goal to give away. Like, and you're right in a game that tight, you knew scores were going to be at a premium, and yeah, it was just sloppy like, defending. And look, very good composure from Derry. To be fair, uh, Towner's pass cross and Lachlan's finish, but it was lovely. Donegal yeah. being frustrated looking it, at that. I it, feel was, like it was like Kilkenny to Con, wasn't it? It was like that goal we've seen so many times in Dublin, that backdoor cut. Yeah, that's probably where they got it from. Yeah. But what Donegal would have done there is the forward would have run the other way around him and... Look for the loop. If they'd gone for the loop, might have had a shot at the post, might have even given it backwards. Do you know, at least Derry threw something different into that attack and yeah. it paid off for him. Yeah. Paddy, you obviously weren't surprised at all that Gallagher went and did this this year with, Dun- with Derry. <laughs> I'm surprised Derry have won the Ulster Championship. Are you? Yeah, yeah. We know we spoke at length on this podcast about what a great coach Rory Gallagher is and the job he's doing. But I didn't think Derry would win the championship, win the Ulster Championship. I thought they, like, they're an impressive team. But I, I agree with you. I thought it was it was early in their development mm. to, to go. Like, could they win? Could they beat Tyrone? Perhaps, but I didn't expect them to, to back it up the way they have. Um, and that's it's just it's a brilliant story from. Like, bear in mind, they didn't get promoted out of Division 2. So there, there's massive strides they've made over the last number of years. But I just thought it may be a little bit early for them to go and do what they've done. And that's why it's it's even more outstanding. Mm. Um, and just seeing the scenes on the pitch afterwards, um, listening to the players, Chris McKay, Rory Gallagher's interview. It is. It was, it's a brilliant story. And that's why it, it's intriguing now to see that was a massive goal for them. What's next? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, okay. we, are, are they are they thinking we could win in all Ireland here? Is that what, or is it? Are they kind of happy? Are they do they settle with their lot now? Come it's on, you know Rory, you know Rory Gallagher. Yeah. There's no way they're settling back. What yeah, did he say to them in the dressing room after the game? I wonder. Was it a case of lads? This is an unbelievable achievement. Have your few points tonight, but we are getting back on this 
this wagon Tuesday night? Was it one of them, like a, a reveler, we're not finished yet? Or was it a case of we've hit our main goal? It's hard to know. <sighs> hopefully, hopefully they give it a rattle because... But look, lads, if... They have it. You yeah, they have at There's the start no- of the season, as I said, whoever wins the Ulster Championship will be right in the mix to win mm. that Ireland. So that's that's the genuine, that's the level they're at now. That's the, there's an expectation, there's a pressure that comes with that. But see, nobody's going to want to play Derry. Like they, they are going to be a handful for anyone. The big challenge they're going to have is when that system in Crow Park and playing against teams like Dublin or Kerry, where the pace of play and pace of attack is a lot, lot quicker than what they would have faced in Clonus yesterday. And that's how they adapt to that. That's the interesting thing to see. Okay. Well, we will be talking about Derry in a, a bit more on Thursday night in Castle Bar alongside Keith Higgins as we look ahead to look at uh, where the championship at in general. I, I would like to move on to the Connacht final and Galway Roscommon. Um, we're not going to get stuck on Roscommon here. We focused a bit on Donegal and their performance there. I want to talk about Galway. We, we talked about Shane Walsh and... For me, there was a point in the first half before his goal and before that awesome sidestep uh, and dummy for the goal where he has the ball about 35 yards out. Possibly could take a snapshot, but he slows it down. He slows it down. There isn't even a screen, but somehow a gap appears and he accelerates. He goes from zero to 100, as James says, and just puts it over the bar. I'm not sure there's anyone who can do that. Around the same time, I happened to tweet that Rob Finnerty is on it. He had kicked two points by that stage. Yep. John Higgins got in touch and said, Finnerty is useless when he's actually being marked. He's had way too much space. Roscommon need to tighten up. Now, Finnerty went on to kick five points. I, I, would, I would hazard a guess to say that... See from Roscommon. <laughs> John was from Roscommon and that Rob Finnerty is not useless. I thought he was a massive loss last year when he went off in the Connacht final in the first half. Uh, he was definitely a big part of Galway's game plan. They replaced him with half-forward, who's very different to the type of footballer that he is. When we look at that trio, Walsh, Comer, Finnerty up top. As a trio, James, do you think that they complement each other well? I do. And Finnerty has so much quality. And to be almost rated as the number three there, like he's going to get third pick do you know like whoever's whoever's going to be marking the full back line isn't going to be their best he's not going to be a Christy McCaig he's not even going to be their second best they have to put their third best on him so to have that weapon in there I think is is fantastic for them but the way they play I used to hate playing in a full forward line with three in there because I feel like there's no space if you want to do a run from one corner maybe even to the other or maybe a diagonal run there's an awful lot of bodies even your own teammates who are probably making a similar run. Whereas when you're inside with two, it seems to be a bit more, bit more space. <laughs> you just want the Donahue beside you so he'd stay in yeah. the square. Donahue, screen my man there as I run past you. <laughs> but he, like, they do that well. Shane Walsh comes out, Comer can come out. Finity seems to stay in a lot. Yeah. But they don't, they're not on top of each other. Yeah, they, they complement each other well. They do. They do. They seem to have a bit of an understanding there. And that's important because if there was just three out and out full forward line players, they probably wouldn't be as effective. But because probably two of the three can play outside and can supply as well. That makes them able to play with each other very well. Yeah. yeah. Roscommon seemed to be dropping uh, a sweeper from their left-hand side and, and goal. We were getting a lot of joy in that side. They were overloading it. Walsh, McDade, um, I think Malloy was, was attacking on that left-hand side quite a bit in the first half. In terms of their defensive setup, Roscommon 
got quite a few shots off. Like we talk about Donegal not mm-hmm. taking their shots the weekend. Roscommon's actually let them down in a five to eight minute spell before half time when Galway got their goals. Roscommon missed some decent efforts, some decent chances in front of the posts that they that they will be regretting, I'd say, looking back on that today. Smith's goal chance and Smith's he could have slipped it in the first you know about the one in the first half that he could have slipped. Yeah. Could have slipped it inside him. There's a man off him. He put it wide, yeah, there's a man off his shoulder. Roscommon mix it up then. They're nine points down. They mix it up quite late. They probably could have got a penalty. They get two late goals. Go away again. Don't give, I don't give any credit for that because oh. it's easy to play when you're it's like a soccer match. Easy to play when you're two nil down. Okay. You've nothing to lose. Let's go at it. Okay. It's like when you're being you hammered in the first half and you come out and you have a noble display in the second half and you win, win the second half. You, like, you don't think Galway creeps? I think no, that Roscommon were always going to put that heat on. I think that ideally Galway maybe should have been a bit tighter, but like as many bodies as Galway have back, they can see the 216. Yeah. Like, you know, they don't have that system nailed on yet. Um, but I don't think I think the Roscommon have to throw everything they had at it because they were nine down and whether they lose by nine or lose by 20 doesn't really matter yeah my issue was that they stayed doing the same thing for too long in that second half took a long time to bring on Glennon took a long time to bring on Murta and actually yeah. put the ball in the mixer you know um, the long ball is so nice to see every so often because it, it causes absolute mayhem just let it in just let it in every so often even if you've one ball winner just put it in there was there one ball put on Murphy in that Ulster final not one and uh, like Oran Lynch isn't exactly brilliant in the air, Do you know. Like Murphy would have would have caused them hassle. Yeah, yeah. I think teams need to need to change it up a bit more, definitely. But uh, we said it before: you come down to your conversion. Your conversion absolutely papers over every crack in your team. If you can put the ball over the bar, is m- more often than not. If you're up to eighty percent, but Roscommon weren't, so they missed their chances. It would have been a different game going on the stretch if they had their conversion rate a bit higher. Paddy, you're. But are we right in saying you're a fan of what Galway have been trying to do over the last little while? Like, were you impressed with that at the weekend? Yeah, I think if you're trying to win the All Ireland, you have to. The issue Galway have had and the issue Roscommon had is that they're too easy to play against for the top teams. So that there needs to be a better organisation. There needs to be an edge to their defensive system, and they've start Galway have started implementing that. We know they've guys that. Guys like Shane Walsh, guys like Finnery, guys like Comer, Paul Conroy, they're going to kick scores. But the worry for Galway, as impressive as they have been, they, they could see 216 yesterday. And I, I agree with James. I wouldn't put the game was the, the game's over, but the, the test for Galway is going to be when they're in Crow Park, that they haven't nailed that system yet. There's definitely improvements in it. You can see what Keane O'Neill has done and John Dibley and Power of Choice, but I, I think they're going to struggle against the top teams with that defensive system. It's still not. They've continued to improve and they need to improve over the next couple of weeks. But I, I still don't put them in the top tier despite winning the Connacht Championship. Not bad to win a Connacht Championship when you're still learning on the job. It definitely yeah. buys Joyce and O'Neill time. Definitely. Beyond, yeah. beyond this season. It, it does. And Park have been in there for this is his third year and they yeah, hadn't had that crucial. success. So getting relegated last year was obviously a big setback for them and how they lost the Connacht final. So this year to win the FBD League, to get promoted back to Division 1 and now win the Connacht Championship by beating Mayo and Roscommon, that's a successful year for them. But I feel, I still think there's issues with Galway defensively and in Crow Park against the top teams. We're getting into the business end of the season now. I think that's where they're going to fall short. Yeah. 
James, I have a couple of bones to pick with you. Um, Jimmy Sources appeared last week when you let us know that Roscommon were flying. <laughs> I said they played a few challenge matches and I heard some good reports about them. Okay. You didn't give us the big news out of those challenge matches. What was the big news? The cliff. But he didn't play. The, like, uh, like you're, 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 you're a man on the ground in Kerry. Clearly everyone in Kerry knew that Dave Clifford w- wouldn't. You didn't know? I didn't know that he didn't play. But did you I know, know that they it, played Kerry? Okay. But I mean... You got to choose what side of the fence you're on, buddy. <laughs> Paddy, Paddy, had, Paddy had this problem last year and he, yeah. he soon learned. No, I didn't know that he wasn't playing, but I don't think... It, often you wouldn't play a challenge match the week of course. before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I still thought he, he'd tug, but... Um, there was obviously think, an element I of... I think that if it was, if it was a quarterfinal, he'd played. If it was yeah. not on quarterfinal. Yeah. No, I don't think there was any need to risk him there. If no. anything, the week off of doing, doing good. Yeah, there's a couple of weeks obviously to go here. If you nick that hamstring, you're out of contention for the quarterfinal. Yeah, before I, I remember I, I or sorry, if you nick a calf or a groin or exactly. whatever it is, there is yeah. there is no time this year. I tore my hamstring one time in a monster final, and I did a grade two good job in it. I was out for six weeks and back for the semi final. There was so much time. I was back in training hard. Like, but no, it's a case of if you if you're out for six weeks. You miss. Oh you actually missed the All Ireland final at this stage, will you? Yeah, cool. Oh, maybe, yeah. Not that, maybe not. You, you'd, you'd, have, you'd have ten days before the, yeah. before the All Ireland yeah. final. So there's absolutely no point in risking anyone, especially in a Munster Championship. That's an absolute waste of time. Spillane played quite well. He did. He did. Killian. They have options up front. In fairness, they definitely do. Um, yeah. And that that was actually Killian to play that game was probably great for Kerry as well because he had a personal. Mission. You know, he wasn't going to take the eye off the ball there. He needed to put in a good performance to put him back in the mix for later on. So to start, he's obviously in the mix to come off the bench, but to prove that he could start, obviously, yeah, yeah. He is an excellent sub. He always comes on and kicks a point because he has left and right. He has that lazy kicking style from both sides, and he can throw him over. He brings that pace. He does. But just on on Galway, right? Mm-hmm. Just in terms of their defence, I bet they would have worked an awful lot on the team defence, right? But you still have to be a good individual defender inside in that team defence like if I went back into a, a defensive unit I'd, I'd be liability do you know like I'd, either someone would, would sidestep me or I'd foul them like you still need to be a good yeah. uh, defender if you're going to be involved in that system so maybe that's where Galway can improve individually okay were you ever coached to be a bit better not that much to be honest maybe they thought I'd no hope uh, <laughs> Andrew you, you, you had a little dalliance Back in defence, famously, we've spoken about in this pod quite a bit. You play corner back. Gilroy had you back there. You obviously played centre back for DCU for a while. Um, defensively, were you were you good? Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say it was the strongest part of my game. Um, what, what was the issue? As far as forwards go, you would have been a very good defender. Like. Yeah, yeah. So I, no, look, it's like you weren't flat footed. Like you wouldn't get caught flat footed. You'd be able to. Oh, Jesus, um, the odd time you might. <laughs> I have an awful issue with that. Which, no, I, I, like being flat footed. I'm uh, working on my boxer stance. <laughs> that's we're talking about like some of the most prominent defenders in the game now, like a Christian McKay. You're going. The system is helping him do that, but he's also a brilliant one-on-one defender. Mm. Attention to detail, his focus, like we're saying, reminds me of Mick Fitzsimons in a way from, from our Dublin team as well, where it's I'm not interested in anything else. 
running up the pitch doing any fancy stuff my job is to take you out of the game and it's a mentality to have that and the best defenders have that the mad markers and that's I don't see many of them in Galway it is, it's a high it's a skill it's a massive part of the game and the best teams have guys that can shut down key players like I don't think even with a defensive system that Keanu Neal has helped implement there there's probably still that's why I'm not putting Galway in the bracket of All-Ireland contenders yeah so club championships this this winter this autumn any sticky cornerbacks Joyce will have his eye out on them it's not just any team would want them yeah, the they're in short demand. If you're playing Kerry, you need someone who's going to mark Clifford. If you're playing Tyrone last year, someone who's going to mark McCurry. All the best teams have marquee forwards. A system will help minimise the damage they can do, but you also need a man-to-man marker that's going to be able to, to take someone out, yeah. like McCaig and what he's doing in the Ulster Championship so far. 100%. We're going to get to Clare Dublin in a moment because I want to talk about... Uh, Owen Merchant absolutely eating Jimmy Highland alive in that game as well Highland just at times now it was obviously difficult but it's just at times Highland I think he touched the ball for the first time 20 odd minutes into the game like. and, I, and there's two things there 32 was it 32nd minute he snapped over a great point I think it was the first touch yeah obviously got his goal as well but Merchant did a, a serious job on him across the board the second issue that I, not an issue James you don't have to worry about this uh, Glovegate reared his head again this weekend but I want to get a clarification for our listeners okay two different comments so first one is from Damo Belton on the next pod can you ask James what he thought of Josh Ryan wearing a pair of Macassas for the Munster final on a scorcher of a day in fairness to Josh Ryan he kicked one of the points of the game a free from the sideline beautiful I didn't actually realise he was wearing the gloves did you spot that? I did okay I did. thoughts? Well, he kicked the great free but he wasn't fetching ball inside in the, the full forward line like with the gloves on. Okay. Uh, second one, Shane Meehan was in touch. Brendan Rodgers isn't a bad baller for someone who wears gloves on a smashing day. Brackets, I still agree with James. Now, I did get back and said that I think it only applies snippy inside forwards. Can you confirm or deny? That it only applies, to, applies to inside forwards. Well, it, there's definitely, it's definitely more forward-based, that comment, because a forward's going to rely on their handling an awful lot more than a defender is. Like a defender only needs to get a hand in or get a hand on the forward, whereas the forward needs the feel of the ball. He needs that natural touch of the ball. Like the ball has to be almost a part of you. So having a pair of gloves on that day does not help that relationship with you and that football. That I just feel so You're never going to be just no, no, I just think they me pictures of me wearing gloves more at noon at night. <laughs> I can't shake this Ambassador. Your, your, your DMs are full. As, as long as it's not, you're not getting catfished, I wouldn't mind with that. Well, I uh, don't think that, I, I, if you had to say, fair enough, some people just love wearing the gloves as like yes. superstition as well. And Rogers probably never takes the field. He's also a great hurler though, so. Totally. Yeah, you 100%. never know what they're going to do. Hurlers are a different breed. Glove gate rolls on. <laughs> Paddy Andrews, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Have you ever been in a Dublin dress room? Now, have a think here. Think about this. I want you to think long and hard about this. Have you ever been in a Dublin dress room where the last words from your manager were, we are going for goals here? Because it certainly looked like that on Saturday. They were ruthless. Yeah, they were. Look, they were. Dublin, like I said, over the last couple of weeks, they've been building up. We touched on from the mid game, their scoring efficiency, how they were just so, so clinical. 
But Kildare made it very, very easy for them, lads. It was, we spoke about it and and what, what was Kildare's mentality going into the game? They needed to be brave. They needed to go for it. But they were just, it was, it was naive nearly in a way. And any sort of game plan they had, it didn't look, Dublin get the goal, Kirk Kenny's goal, and Kildare look shell-shocked, don't they? And it's just, it was so easy for Dublin. Their structure put was really good, though. Like, like I said, Khan gives a focal point there. Costello and Dean Rock were staying in really deep, right inside the 13, and Dublin were actively looking, we want to kick the ball in here. Yeah. Everything, the issues we t- spoke about during the National League, was it was too lateral from Dublin. There was no focal point. It was slow. It was passive. Saturday night was Dublin back to their best. Real speed in their play. Sean Bugler, Owen Merchant, Lee Gannon. They're looking inside. We want to kick the ball. We want to move this ball up the pitch really, really quickly. And Kildare just had no answers. And it was like, there was some pretty bad defending by Kildare as well. Yeah, but Dublin, Dublin were ruthless. No, it, Dublin, it was, Dublin were really ruthless. Um, and I said the game was over after twenty minutes. It was awesome and at I, times. That's, that's the most disappointing thing from, from a Calderas standpoint. That all the build up for this season, they would have fancied going into that game. There was a confidence about Calder, and they were just taken to the cleaners. Do you think there was a little bit in their head that they were going for gold and they were going to bury Calder? They were making a statement in that. The first 10 minutes? Um, no, because you start forcing things then okay. as well. So, so we need to spoke about if, if you turn over the uh, opponents or if you win a, an opposition kick out, there's an opportunity there. The defence isn't set, so let's have a look if, if it's on. But if you go in with the mentality of we're going to go for goals all the time, then you start taking bad options, you start trying to force things. Mm-hmm. Dublin just seen, they smelled blood and the best teams would put you to the sword at that time and that 10 minute period when you have someone like Conor Callahan, he knows if he gets one on one nearly like Clifford as well I'm going at my man here and I'm going to cause havoc and that was just like I say Kildare made it very easy for Dublin in that first half Could you believe James how easy it was for Sean Bugler to get a ball on the right wing and pop it didn't even have to be a perfect pass but a pass bouncing into the D where Khan could run out and win it, turn his man, make his mind up whether he wanted to slip it to Kenny or go himself. It happened two or three oh. times. Mm. How does yeah. that happen? Usually, How does that happen? It's a, I think it was a combination. And usually this doesn't happen at the same time. Of just Kildare not getting their structure right at all. And yeah. Dublin being so on it that they could expose it. But those balls that you get to the top of the D, they're a one a gamer usually, maybe two mm. a game. And like, they're so important that you have to make hay when the ball does get there. But Dublin got in there time and time yeah. and time again. And Kildare actually had men back. Like the worst one, the, the goal that really, I know Smalls. it was it was after a few, but John Smalls. Yeah. Like, yeah. They had loads of bodies back, but they just didn't didn't pick him up. It's, it would be like, like if I How went back. John Small is actually, play. like he's going back away from goal. And they change his mind. I realises there's no one marking me here. Yeah. Like the whole Kildare defence, it just switched off. And it was like, he was nearly shocked himself that he was in that much space. Yeah. And he, it's... No, fair play to him for going for the goal that time as well, because he could have, or another team might have chipped the point, set up for the kick out again, but they were rootless. Yeah. Yeah. All the goals were great goal chances, but they were rootless. Well, well, I, I think Smalley going for goal there proved that they had it in their head that they were there to bury Kildare and put their foot in the throat. 
I haven't seen John Small do that before. Yeah. No, but yeah. It's like, it, it just, you're looking at the goal, it just didn't look right. It was like, how, that's just too easy. How would that yeah. happen? And it, James is right. It's like a systems failure from Kildare and then Dublin being on it as well. Um, it's just, it, it's so, it's disappointing for Kildare. That's, they'll, for them to try and pick themselves back up again. I don't know. It's, it's going to be a big ass to turn it around. And we said it last week. If the Dublin defence could shut down Highland and Kerwin and, and Daniel Flynn, that they'd win the game. Because you, you always felt the Dublin forwards were going to cause. Like, it's an Achilles heel for Kildare. It's been the same all season. Like even against Westmead, teams are racking up big scores against them. But it was ruthlessly exposed on Saturday night. Yeah, 100%. Anything else to say about the dubs or will we save it for Thursday night in Castlebar? I'm sure we'll have a lot of chat about them on Thursday night in Castlebar, I'd say. So. Yeah. James, is there anything else you wanted to pick up on before we, we move on? No, just the way that they were able to run the ball into the square before they finished it on two occasions. <laughs> like Kilkenny, Kilkenny was six yards out when he kind of punted the ball mm-hmm. past the keeper and so was Khan. Yeah. So great forward play results in, in goal chances. Like Easy they, goal they chances. Yeah. They didn't necessarily have to be in the dressing room going, let's go for the goal. It was probably a case of, let's play this type of top quality football and the goals will just open up. And they did. I, it was just brilliant play. I asked you last week to make the case for the Gilair and you said they had to start fast. They had to get aggressive, be aggressive. They had to be matching Dublin physically. Yeah. And they just couldn't get to the tune of it. They came out, Cribbing got a great score. Yeah. yeah. One nil. And it was like, whoa, right. Let's see, this is going to take off. But then they just got into their defensive system and didn't actively defend. It was like, okay, so if we get the bodies back, see what you can do and what they could do is score five goals. Like they didn't actually defend inside in the, in the defensive system. It must be a horrible position to be in 10 minutes, 15 minutes into that game. And... Oh, I can't. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a scaring one for everyone. Yeah. I like, thought they were, yeah, I thought they were past that. I remember getting the, the Dustin, we spoke about it before in a 20, 21s game against Cork. And like, I still think about it. Really? And that was a, a points defeat. I think they got like 25 or six points, five goals in the first 15, 20 minutes. Was that That's the one where, was that the one where Jamie Wall roasted you and kicked two points? <laughs> Jamie Wall, he was a savage operator to be fair to him. Yeah. Paddy, did you ever get a Dustin like that? Yeah. Kerry, 2009. And did it just feel like the, the just the game plan out the window? That that's, that can happen as well. It's like it kind of snowballs as well. Your tactics and like you have weeks leading into the game and your matchups and we're going to do this, this, and this, and you just get hit by a sucker punch. We, that day for us, I think Gooch got a goal from the throw in, and it was just a panic then for us. Our kind of all our tactics and game plan was out the window, and you could see that with Kildare as well. Like Glenn Ryan was nearly. Lost for words after the match, trying to explain it. Mm. They would have had tactics. They would have had matchups. They would have had, okay, this is what we're going to frustrate Dublin. We're going to block out our centre channel. We're not going to concede goals. And every, it just goes out the window there. Yeah. And you get off to a bad start like that. And then they just could not turn it around. And it's, yeah, it's not easy. It's a hard place to be. Yeah. They, are, they kick 115. Like they do yeah. have, they, I know they weren't. Brilliant. They tagged on a lot late on. They they did they did but they still have they have some quality there just disappointed they didn't get a chance to it is a pity hang in there yeah it's a pity it wasn't 
But even even the spread was seven points. The spread it moved out to seven. There must have been a lot of money on the six. It's just a pity it wasn't even close and Dublin pulled away. But you know, you some kind teams, of some teams, especially in Ulster, really, they sound you out at the start of a game. Mm. They kind of have a look at you and they say, right, we'll keep it tight here. Whereas Dublin, they go for it early. There's no hanging around. We'll see what they do. It's like, get this great start in and blow this crowd out of the water. Like, it's very impressive. It is very impressive to watch. But mm. if you have that wrong mentality saying, we'll see how it goes here, they're just going to finish you off too quickly. Trouble, trouble, yeah. Okay, going to rattle into the predictions here. We're doing a slightly shorter pod this week because we're, as I mentioned earlier on, heading to Castle Bar for our second show on Thursday night, our first ever live show. We can't wait for it. I'm not going to ask you for your Mayo Monaghan prediction. I want you to keep that in your back pocket <laughs> and you can let the crowd know in the Royal TF Theatre on the night. I'll give you an easy one. Claire Mead. Claire. Tommy, you're going to go for a draw anyway because you can't upset anyone there. <laughs> it's your half and half jersey. I actually had my Claire top on before but I changed it. Uh, I, think, I, think, I think Claire are going to win that one, lads. I have to say. Claire at home as well, isn't there? Yeah. Claire at home. They were very, very, very unlucky against Limerick. But Limerick yeah. have not turned out to be that good. No, Limerick bet tip though, you know. Tip lost to Carlow. Tip lost to Carlow. That's very fair. <laughs> Where are you going, James? Now, I, I, I will let you know before I make my call that Mead have a sensational record against Clare in the Championship. Like a freakishly good record. It was 10-9 in the league, wasn't it? 10-9 in the league. They played each other in the league and Championship a good few times and they have just got a good record, even in Cusick Park. Yeah. I don't know what, what either team have done, obviously, since they've since they've been knocked out, but I just I think that Mead might have a bit a bit too much. Okay. Is it Jordan Morris though? No, Jordan Morris got his right card overturned. Yeah, McIntyre yeah. got uh, a Dublin solicitor to look after him this week, so got it overturned. That's a big change for them. Yeah. But I, I just think Colin Collins and Clare they would be so disappointed to lose on penalties to Limerick. They're at home. Like you're looking at Mead were so bad against Dublin last. Like, like th- that, like that's a scarring defeat. You're kind of thinking they a sting in the tail and they kind of pride, I suppose, that they go out. But um, I, I just think Clare will have too much for that one. Okay, okay, one Clare, one Mead. Next game, Cork Loud. Oh, one Clare, one Mead. End. You're not saying anything. You're going to laugh at me here. I think Clare are going to win in the penalty shootout. Oh, right, okay. I think it's going to go into it. I think they're going to win the penalty shootout. Uh, Cork and Loud. <laughs> um, Cork and Loud. Cork probably is. Really? It's been very, very quiet from both camps. Yeah, Loud was just very disappointed how, like, Kildare wiped the floor with them. And you're thinking, the job Mickey Hart has done, back-to-back promotions, and you're thinking, geez, could they go out and do something in the championship? And then they were just so flat against Kildare. Yeah, they were. Uh, Cork, I think there'd be a bit of belief in Cork, even though they were beaten by Kerry and beaten well in the end. I thought there was, there was a bit of energy around Cork after that game. And I, I, I think it's a massive game. For them. I think Cork need to win it. Yeah. Um, but I expect them, I think they'll have too much for it out. Did they say where it's on? Is it Parky Creek? Uh, I thought it was Parky Creek. Parky Creek again? No, I think Parky it's Parky Creek. I think, yeah, 
Porky Creeve is more of a leveler than Porky Rin, maybe, but I fancy I fancy Cork. I think they put in a savage effort before that Kerry game, and that work will carry them through. And I, I fancy them to win it. Maguire obviously played the Kerry game. He but didn't he look right. He wasn't right, yeah. He didn't look right. Do you he, think anyone risks themselves? Like Powder played that game as well. Do you think they've had a couple of weeks to get right that they'll be good to go? Because they needed them, yeah. They need them, they need them. I wonder, like, I, I wonder, I don't know what they did after the game. Like, would they have taken a, a week off and said, will we group after the draw? Or do you know what the story was there? Um, I'd imagine they were given a week off, you know? Yeah. So it was a chance to get the bodies right. And then once the draw is made, it's full focus. And I think yeah. the Cork would have thought, this is one we can win. I think it's a bigger yeah. game for Cork than it is Lode. You know, Cork do not want to lose that game. It would be a bad defeat. I, I fancy Cork. Cork, Cork. I'm going to go Cork as well for the fact that it's at home and they've they've proven themselves in that 50 minutes. This is another chance to double down and uh, another Low, gal- going to go, go galvanizing to effort. And Cork uh, will probably yeah, stick with what they did against Kerry. Yeah. So it probably won't be pretty. I do think I do think Loud will prove themselves that the Kildare game, they, there wasn't that much in it. Uh, it. There wasn't that much. They kind of froze a little bit, I think, in that Kildare game. I think Kildare obviously um, got their matchups really well that day, hammered them out the gate, they bullied them. So I think there's a bit more in Loud. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Could be a game for the free takers with Mulroy and Sherlock. 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 Good shout. Yeah. yeah, it absolutely could be. Okay. Armagh Throne in the Athletic Grounds. I made a mistake. I thought the Athletic Grounds was always in Uri, but it's not. It's about 20 miles from Uri. I made that mistake on Twitter during the week. We're all going to do something, lads. Park Esther in Uri, obviously. Think there's a sting in the tail? I think that... I, I, yeah. I don't hurt. It's, it's been a bad season for them. They've kind of, like I said, they've kind of been chasing their tail all season. They weren't great in the National League. Totally outclassed by Derry then as well. You're thinking there has to be a sting in the tail. But then the same from Armaz. When we were so mm. disappointed with Armaz's performance in Bally Buffet a couple of weeks back, there at home, there'll be a cracking atmosphere at this one, lads. It's, yeah. it's the yeah. tightest to call, I feel. Um, I'm just thinking Tyrone. There has to be one sting left from them. I expect them to win it. I, I'll go against you, Paddy. I think Armaz, I think Armaz will have gone away and fixed a lot of issues. Like they, that was kick-outs. not, what's that? Kick-outs. kick-outs. Yeah. They need to get sorted anyway. There are huge things to improve for Armand. Whereas I think Tyrone's, a lot of Tyrone's woes are probably psychologically and you know, where the camp is and things like that. I think that Armand is simply footballing. They need to improve on a couple of things they just didn't bring to the table. And if they focus on them, I think they can come back. I don't know if it'll make a difference to you, but Ron O'Neill told us last night on GA late night that a group of the twenties have gone in to the uh, to the camp and they brought a bit of energy. That there's talk that Canavan's going to be definitely coming off the bench, and we will see him in Championship action. Rory, so I don't know if that changes that for you. It doesn't. Okay. It doesn't. I can't wait to see him. I must say, I can't wait to see him. But he, he probably hasn't been with that group at all yet, only for the last couple of weeks. Kyle Coney, four months ago, was talking about Rory Canavan beforehand. To just give Kyle his credit. He did a piece of us and off the ball and he said that Rory should be in that that main championship panel. Right, okay. So I, I, I have a feeling that Tyrone people are expecting Rory to get a run. But it's not like Tyrone are lacking quality. It's not mm. like they, they need an influx but of these 20s. It, they're, they're lacking a bit of life or something though. I don't know what it is. There's that staleness that's kind of... 
all season with them. Yeah. And sometimes it mightn't take much. Like it mightn't take much to get them all going. Um, the fact that okay. the twenties are coming in off a win as well it does lift everyone. Yeah, like it is a big having an All Ireland winning team come into you. It is it is a big lift. So I think maybe them being around the place might be the a catalyst rather than the players coming in and making a big difference. I think mean, that's a very big ask. You know, are, are you sticking with? I'm Emma? sticking. I'm sticking. I'm gonna go with Armagh as well. I just think that that athletic grounds. Yeah, if, if Tyrone, but if Tyrone do get through this, if Tyrone get that win and they get their season back in the road, it'd be very hard to back against them again in the championship because they just, I think they only need something small to go with them. We're leaving Mayo Monaghan, Talchin Cup quarterfinals, New York, traveling over, they're playing Offaly in Tullamore. Offaly. Offaly. Yeah. James Offaly. Good, Good performance against Wicklow. Um, with Tip being beat, like I think Cavan are the favourites for this, as we said. Okay, so. But like. From Anna Cavan? Cavan. Cavan. Okay. So from Anna got by Longford by goal. So we're, we're back in Cavan. I'm back in Cavan too there. So it's Cavan and Offaly, we reckon, so are the strongest too. Uh, West, Westmead, possibly. Um, I think Westmead lads are, are, are primed to, to win something like this. I think they have the players, the calibre players. They, they may not be motoring properly now, but like Westmead will have no fear in Crow Park. And that's one of the big things oh. that comes into play here. If Westmead get by Carlo. So that game is in Carlo. Carlo had their big win against Tip. They're going to be buzzing this week. That's the momentum of these games as well. They're getting get by game after game. And then Leach from Sligo. I'm going to get in there first. <laughs> Who are you going for? I don't know. I'm struggling. It's going to be very, very tight. I'm going to say Leach from this week. Leitrim. I'm going to go with Leach. You're going to curse them, James. You're going to curse Leach. Sligo got by London after extra time. Leach from obviously got by London. Uh, London had a late comeback Leitrim were 8 points up in London came back later on but Leitrim held on I think there's something good happening in Leitrim as well do you know like Derry Offaly Leitrim there seems to be something happening in these counties there's momentum there's feel good like Carrick and Shannon will be absolutely hopping it will so it was cool I'm going to curse them you're going to go, okay, you don't, don't have to say we're cursing them because there have been some teams that have won when we've gone Leitrim, Leitrim, Leitrim or three teams, you know, but there have been some, you know, some people getting in touch from Offaly from Kildare who weren't happy when we, we called all three. Yeah, no, I think, I, I, I do think they'll win it. I think yeah. they're going well and they just have a bit of, bit of life, bit of momentum. It was cool on Diego seeing all the fans streaming onto the pitch after the game when they bet Antrim at the weekend. It, it clearly was, meant a lot. Their first win, championship win on home soil in three years. Just when we get to the fancy football, uh, I'm going to give myself a shout out. Well, how much you got? I'm going to give James O'Donoghue a shout uh, I did break the 300. I got 304 Ooh. points this week. James O'Donoghue, you were actually top of the celebs table. So that's the table of players of intercounty footballers. Uh, I'm going to check out what you got here. I got 304 points. Paddy Andrews, you shot up the table as well. Um, oh, my issue is that I only have McCarran, McGeary and Began in play for next weekend. <laughs> so I can't expect to get too many points next week. Paddy, I'm just going to check what you got. Uh, James, do you remember what you got at the weekend? I got 304 points. I switched Sean O'Shea. I switched Sean O'Shea for David Clifford at the last minute. Uh, oh. So I made Shawnee my captain. And I brought in points. Tom Sullivan from Kerry. He got me 34 points. And I got in, I got in Coslo. I Coslo captain from the start. So he, oh, he got me. He got 52. Me yeah, quality, quality Sean. You're actually 15th in the world. <laughs> So you're doing pretty well. And Paddy Andrews, let me just see where you're at. Paddy's Wolves. 
You got 270, 207 points this week. Sean O'Shea, your captain once more. Rock and watch delivered for you. But you do have a couple of players in the mix. Surprise, surprise. Paddy was in Paris. He didn't get a chance to sub out David Clifford this week. So <laughs> that's how we got on. You must and have just missed that news, I think. You must have just missed it. And just to give a shout out to the Football Pod League lads who are winning it, it is BK O'Donnell from Aaron Moore. 765 points overall. You got 292 last week. Damian Butler. His team is named the Spider Babies from uh, St. Mary's Kil- Kiltohert. Kiltohert. Definitely Kiltohert. Uh, and Niall Hassan from Dungan and Clarks. Dungan Thomas Clark is always in the mix. Puke Football is the name of his team. They're in our top three. And in the junior table, Fionn Mahoney with 180 points is no clue 11. Uh, he's from the club Dainsford. He got 620 points. So shout out to Fionn. Uh, his captain this week was Dean Rock, who got on 36 points. So that is it, lads, for episode 19 of the Football Pod. Another one in the books. Paddy Andrews, I feel like you've aged over the last hour and 15, 20 minutes. I really hope you get some good sleep in this week. James O'Donoghue, I hope your whoop is better on Thursday, that you get your recovery in and that you're in good shape for Casabar. I'm really excited for it. I can't wait to see you there. We're all really excited to see everyone there on Thursday night. So if you haven't got a ticket yet and you're going to be around Castlebar, do get one. And if you have got a ticket, fair play to you. We'll see you there. Pints on Paddy. <laughs> Thanks, lads. Looking forward to it, lads. Time.